0: Sing it out, Jesus Christ is born quiet, a star shining in the sky. Below Bethlehem, the King is sleeping. Oh, what a glorious night. Oh, what a glorious
1: night. Good morning and welcome to church. We're going to start our service today with an announcement from Beth Tuck. Good morning. My name is Beth Tucker, and I'm the youth coordinator over at Fillmore Wesleyan Church, and for the past about three years or so, Pastor John Cole and myself have been combining our youth groups for various in- events, and over about the past year and a half, we've combined for pretty much everything we do, including weekly programming. Uh, mission, we do missions trips together, special events, and I grew up attending this youth group here, Houghton Wesleyan Youth Group, and Fillmore Wesleyan Youth Group, both at the same time, because I grew up just down the road from here, uh, but I went to Fillmore Wesleyan Church and Fillmore School from kindergarten through 12th grade, so when I came back to this area and started working with the youth in Fillmore, and someone had suggested that we combine our programming, that was really exciting for me, because I've lived in both worlds, so I'd like to just give you a quick idea of kind of how our ministry is structured. And I think of our ministry as a funnel or uh, an ice cream cone, because ice cream is amazing. So at the top, our ministry is kind of wide, and we reach out into the world. And we take the kids with us as we do this. We take them on missions trips to other parts of the United States. And we do a more local missions trip called Love Buffalo. And that's coordinated through the Wesleyan Church of Hamburg. And these trips allow our students to reach out to people that they wouldn't normally come in contact with. And it also allows them to get out of their comfort zone, which is really important as they grow spiritually. And as the funnel narrows slightly, or the ice cream cone narrows slightly, we encourage our students to participate in a number of different denominationally sponsored events. So, we have a follow tour, which is sort of a national uh, convention that they can attend. We also have some, just some local district events, including Winter Retreat, which is coming up at the end of January. And we also have Refresh Family Camp. We have a special teen track for that, which is during the summer. And both of those events, again, are sponsored by our local western New York district of the Wesleyan Church. And the ice cream cone continues to narrow. And we provide special programming through our local churches. These are special events, uh, like 30-hour famine, which happens in the spring, and that's a service-oriented weekend for them. And we also have our annual lip-sync competition, which is tonight, and that's just pure fun. So we also provide weekly programming on Sunday nights and Tuesday mornings. Our Sunday night programming includes big group games, fun giveaways, and then small group discussions and prayer. And then the weekly Tuesday morning meeting is a prayer breakfast. Self-explanatory. Breakfast and prayer, which are two things that combine really nicely together. And then we bring the ice cream cone right down to that yummy point, you know, that sometimes it's filled with chocolate and you get down there and it's like the best part of the ice cream cone. It's kind of the same with our youth ministry. We get narrowed right down, and we have the opportunity to meet with our students individually. And this is one of my favorite parts of our youth ministry. And I lead a small group of girls, and I've been able to get together with some of them uh, one-on-one. And it's just a really important part of building those relationships. This is a big task. It's a big ice cream cone. And we couldn't provide this level of programming without our volunteers. And not all of our volunteers even interact with our students. Many of them work quietly in the background, setting up, providing snacks, making donations, cooking meals. Some help provide services on an as-needed basis, like chaperoning for some of those bigger events. We like to have as many adults with us as possible when we take the kids uh, away from the building. And some others have committed to just that weekly teaching and sharing that's needed for our Sunday night and Tuesday morning ministries. And I have to say, our students are some of the most talented, some of the most kind, and some of the most hilarious people that I know, and I'm really thankful that I have the chance to interact with them every week. And they've challenged me in ways that I could not have imagined, and I mean that as a good thing. They've changed me, and they've made me think about things in different ways, because their brains work differently than mine does. So if you would like to be a part of this ministry, we could really use your help. And we have such a variety of needs that I'm confident we can find a place for you and the gifts that God has given you. If you would like to contact me, my contact information is on my church website, which is philmorewesleyan.church. And if you would like to contact Pastor John, who's the youth pastor here, you can find his contact information on the Houghton Wesleyan Church website. Thanks so much.
2: Christmas surprises. I have one other little surprise announcement. We just received an invitation this week to sing Christmas
0: carols at the Absolute Nursing Home today during the lunch hour, their lunch hour while they're eating lunch. Um, we'll sing, swing by the campus center with some cars at 12:15, and then we'll meet at the Absolute Nursing Home at 12:30 and just have about a half an hour of singing in the uh, dining hall area. So if you'd like to join students, family members, community members, uh, join us today uh, for caroling at the nursing home. Thanks.
3: Today is the second Sunday of Advent. Advent is a time of waiting. We wait for God to send divine love and light into our dark world. How does this happen? God's light comes through Jesus, who became a human being, just like you and I, in order to be the means of restoring us to God. Merciful God, give us grace to heed the warnings of the prophets and forsake our sins that we may greet with joy the coming of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. A reading from the prophet Isaiah. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance, nor make a decision based on hearsay. He will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force of his word, and one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. Today, God's messengers still appear in the wilderness of our lives to prepare the way of the Lord. May we be willing to repent of our sins and to get ready for God's kingdom. May we welcome God's baptism of the Holy Spirit's fire and love in our hearts. Amen.
1: Please stand and join us as we continue in worship together.
4: in action see glory
2: Please be seated. Father, it's an awesome thing to ponder the coming of Christ into this world. We are in awe of what you have done. And we worship you. We pray, Father, that the coming of Christ will change our thinking, our speaking, our acting, all that we are, all that we do. We pray that you will indeed transform us in our world. Lord, we come today with all kinds of things in our hearts, worried about The future, we, many here have exams and papers ahead of them. Some will be grading those. We have the holidays, and for some of us this is glorious. For others it brings stress and anxiety. Let us sense you in the middle of all of that. Father, as we come today, we come with with burdens and concerns and we pray for all who are grieving today. Fill their hearts with comfort. And particularly in this holiday time, we we may well feel the, the grief and the pain and the loss even more acutely. We pray, Father, for people with health concerns. We ask for your healing grace upon each of them. Pour out your spirit in power in their lives. We pray, Father, for all of the ways in which we need you at work in our nation, in our world. We think of the divisiveness in our nation now. We pray that you would bring a spirit of unity and compassion that would be rooted in you and you alone. We pray for people who are grieving and recovering from recent uh, attacks and natural disasters pray for the people in California who are dealing with these fires that are out of control. We pray that you would help those fighting the fires to get them under control, that the damage would be limited. Father, we pray for refugees who face such an uncertainty about their future. They face danger every day. We pray, Father, for for the world is so much war and violence. For many, many people, far more than we imagine, this is just everyday life. And we pray that you would bring peace. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in your church around the world. We pray especially for the work of church development in the Czech Republic and Sierra Leone as, as we help to... Uh, The church is there to train pastors and train leaders and build up the church. We pray that, that you would pour out your spirit in calling pastors and equipping them and in blessing them. We pray, Father, for our brothers and sisters in the Middle East, and particularly teenagers, who follow you in the midst of great opposition and difficulty. Let their hearts be open to you and to your spirit in them. We pray that you would help them to have confidence and courage in very difficult circumstances. Protect them. Keep them close to you. And when the evil one wants to drive them away from you, may they trust you even more. And Father, we as we pray for the teenagers around the world, we pray for our own youth group right here. We thank you for what you're doing in in our youth group. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would be upon each of the teenagers here connected to this church in the Fillmore and in the wider area. And we pray that you would bless them and draw them close to you and continue to give them grace. And we pray for churches around us as well. And think of the Friends in Christ, United Methodist Church in Fillmore. Pastor Russell, may your blessing be upon this congregation of believers as they gather today and every week and all the other activities, they would bear witness to you. Father, we thank you for the coming of Christ into this broken world of pain and heartache. Be glorified to do more than we could dream or imagine in us and in this world. And may our worship continue to please you Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
5: Good morning. Um, Today's scripture will be John 1, 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light. So that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone who was coming into the world. He was in the world, and through the world was made through him. The world did not, and though the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth John testified concerning him he cried out saying this is the one I spoke about when I said he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the father has made him known. This is the word of the Lord.
2: Thanks be to God. I just want to mention a couple of things that are in your bulletin. Uh, tonight at uh, 5 o'clock, we'll be gathering back here, and uh, Andrew Sherman, another one of our interns this semester, is going to be preaching. Uh, some of you, I'm sure, know Andrew, and uh, it'll be an opportunity for you to support him. We'll also be uh, doing we we'll little sing. We have some groups that are going to be singing as well. So we hope you'll see you here at 5 o'clock tonight. Uh, also, Wednesday night, for those of you who are still around, your are students, we're going to go, the kids' group's going to go caroling, but they'd love to have everybody who can to join in that. We'll just, Walk and go around some of the local places here, homes. And uh, also for next Sunday, I know a number of you will be home on break, but if you're here next Sunday, we have just one worship service at 10 o'clock. So just please uh, note that as we look at the schedule for next week, and that'll be true of the next coming weeks. Let me invite you to stand, share a word of greeting with others here in worship today. All right. Greetings. Hey, Andrew. i <laughs> to see you. Good good up
4: I'll hum it real loud. You've got to get closer, you got to get close. Yeah.
0: Continued as they
4: had been while a newborn softly cried. But the
2: heavens wrapped
4: in wonder knew the meaning of his birth in the weakness of a baby.
2: As his mother
0: held him closely, it was hard to
2: understand that her baby, not yet speaking, was the word of God to man. He would tell them of his king.
0: This would be broken as the song of life arose, and the firstborn of creation would ascend to take the throne. Singing on the morning
4: of His birth, but how much greater will the song be when He comes again? When He comes again, hear the angels as they're singing on the
0: morning of His birth, but how much greater?
4: Will our song be when he comes again to earth, when he
0: comes to rule, when he
4: comes back, when he comes back to rule.
2: Father, we pray that uh, you'll give us a greater awareness and understanding, open our eyes to the coming of Christ, that we might truly be ready when Christ reappears. So, be glorified to speak into our hearts through your word, and we ask this through Jesus. Amen. I suspect when you... uh, Get into your car that you probably don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about this, this amazing piece of engineering that you're sitting in. You, you probably don't think about the, the wiring. You probably don't think about the axle and the wheels. You probably don't think about the, the, the engine and the ignition and all the parts of an automobile. Full disclosure, I don't think about it ever. This morning when I got in my car, I didn't stop and think, wow, I wonder how this happens and that happens and all these things going on. I just got in, turned the key, backed out, and came down to the church. And I suspect that's how most of us operate our vehicles. We just take it for granted. And the only time that we think about it is when something doesn't work. We do that all the time. You walk into a room, you flick a switch, light goes on. We don't really think about all the things of the electricity and the switches and all the things happening and even how electricity was first discovered and all of those things. When we do that, we just flick the switch. And the only time we think about the electricity is when nothing happens. We stand in front of the sink. You turn the handle. Water comes out. We probably don't spend much time thinking about how the water gets to our house and how it gets from our, into our house, up to where we are, we just expect it to be there. And when it's not, we get frustrated and we may think about it at that moment. And I suspect that we do the same thing about the incarnation. We hear the story of the coming of Christ year after year after year. Even if, even if you weren't raised in the church, Christmas is all over the place. And at some point in time, we know, even if we don't want to accept it, we know that if you push it enough, you get to Jesus. But we don't really spend that much time often thinking about what it means for Jesus to come, what Christmas means, why we do this, what this is all about. We just take it for granted. And while some people will say that familiarity breeds contempt, I think familiarity also breeds Entitlement. And a sense of expectation. God just does it. We accept it. We embrace it. And we move on. And I wonder sometimes if if some of the writers of our Christmas carols are trying to, to remind us. I think that's what Charles Wesley is doing in his great hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Wesley wrote... Uh, He's a prolific hymn writer. Probably wrote more hymns than anyone else in the history of hymnody. 6,500 plus hymns. I am certain this one is the most famous worldwide. Because even if you don't come to church, you hear Hark the Herald Angels Sing. If you listen to Christmas on the radio, it's playing Christmas carols or... Anything in any the other things you hear it. You people know it. They might not know the words, but they know the song. Wesley originally wrote this song with different words and a and a different title. And it originally began, "Hark! How all the welkin rings, glory to the King of Kings." And the welkin is the sky, the vast expanse of the universe, and it's it's describing, reminding us of that night when the shepherds. Uh, See the angels, and the angels tell them about the birth of Jesus. A close friend of the Wesleys, George Whitfield was in school with them, uh, came to faith with them, also became one of the Methodist preachers. Uh, Whitfield loved to take Charles some of Charles Wesley 's hymns and tweak them a little bit. It did not make Charles Wesley happy; he did not like it. in fact, he would never sing this song the way Whitfield changed it. He would always sing it the way he originally wrote it, and it irritated him. And part of it was because uh, Whitfield, uh, the Wesleys were Arminian in their theology, and Whitfield became a, Method, a Calvin, Calvinist in his Methodist theology. And so they had some very distinct differences of opinion. And Wesley always suspected that, uh, that uh, Whitfield was trying to sneak Calvinist theology into his Arminian hymns. I don't know if that's the case or not, but... But they, had, they, they, were, they remained friends all their lives. They respected each other. But actually, Whitfield's tweakings of this hymn probably improved it. And so we, it's this hymn that we have known for as, basically as long as we have sung this carol. And when we think about this carol, there is this underlying idea that Wesley is communicating in this song that's at the heart of the incarnation, is the heart of Christmas. That Jesus Christ, who he, who he who describes as Christ the everlasting Lord, Christ the highest heaven adored, the one who is God, the one who, in whom all the fullness of God dwells, this one has come to earth in human flesh. It's an astounding thing to ponder. I think we take that for granted, to really ponder what it means that the God of all the universe, the one that John describes in his gospel as being, being God himself, who is the creator of all things, the, the one that, this one who is the almighty God, comes into human flesh as one of us. It's mind-boggling. There is a phrase in this hymn, in this carol, that I think is one of the most profound phrases in all of Christian hymnody. I've got to be honest with you. It makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up when I really think about it. In the second verse, he simply says, Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. And then he says this. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. You read the Old Testament, God is, is so powerful, so holy. Human beings cannot look on him and live. But God wants to be close to us. God desires relationship with us. And the only solution is to become one of us. And when everyone looked at Jesus walking on the face of the earth, the Godhead was right there, veiled in human flesh. When you begin to ponder that, I'm not sure you can ever get to the end of pondering that phrase that God himself would become one of us, that he would take on human flesh, that he would have to deal with all of the the struggles and the difficulties that we deal with as human beings. Aches and pains, people hurting us, people turning on us, having our our emotions toyed with, our hearts broken. The God who creates all and rules over all. The God in whom all things dwell takes on human flesh and becomes one of us. It's astounding. What he's really doing is revealing the nature of God to us. God was so big, so vast, so holy that Paul says that he is that Jesus is the visible at presence of the invisible God, and he comes to us to make God known, to reveal the very nature of God. He reveals to us the heart of God when we were looking through the minor prophets, we were getting glimpses of this is who God is, this is who God is, this is who God is, and when Jesus appears, he says he is the fulfillment of everything that was ever written. In the prophets, and the law, and the writings. He is the fulfillment of all of it. He is God in flesh. And what we say about Jesus, we say about the Father. What we say about the Father, we say about Jesus. And he reveals the heart of God, that God loves us and cares for us and desires us. So much, he's willing to become one of us. And Jesus comes not just to become one of us, not just to reveal the heart of God, but to help us understand that at the at the center of God's heart is a desire to make us new, to to restore what sin has broken and torn and shredded, to give us life, to give us peace, to give us joy, to give us healing. This is why Jesus comes to be the answer to every question in our lives, to be the answer to all of the burdens and the struggles, to give us light and life, as John's gospel says, and to be the source of everything that deep in our being we've always wanted to know and experience and be. That yearning in our souls, that place in our hearts where we know it's not right and we lament and we struggle, Jesus comes to answer that. Jesus comes to be peace in our chaos and our conflict. And he comes to reconcile us with God. To make us right. To set us free. To give us a relationship with him. And it's for the whole world. All people. I think one of the things that fascinates me about this song is the, the emphasis that Wesley makes upon the fact that not just is Jesus God in flesh, but that he is in flesh as a little baby. He's born. It's one thing to say God appears as a human being. He sort of shows up and he's a 30-year-old man. Something else entirely. For God to put him in put himself in the vulnerable position of being a baby. You and I enter this world by being born. You know what's incredible? So does Jesus. There's hardly anything more vulnerable than a human baby. If you've spent any time with a human baby, you know they can't do much of anything for themselves. Except the stuff that comes out of each end. That's about all they can do on their own. They can't feed themselves. They often have to be taught to nurse. They can't walk, can't even crawl. They can't, they can't find food. They can't, they can't cover themselves up. They can't do anything. They're completely, totally helpless. And this is Jesus. A baby. Just like you and me, a little, tiny baby. And when you read the, the gospel accounts in Matthew and Luke, you see over and over again the emphasis of that. A baby is born. Mary is pregnant. Mary gives birth to a child. It keeps going over and over and over again. It keeps repeating it again and again because it's so incredible. It's mind-boggling that the God of all the universe would come to this world as a baby. He had to have his diaper changed. He had to be fed. He had to be taken care of taught to crawl and to walk and to do everything you and I do. It is mind-boggling to think of that. And so Wesley keeps repeating in this hymn, born, 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 because it is so incredible to ponder. The thing I find fascinating as well is not just that he's veiled in flesh and he is born, but he also makes has this statement in verse 2. Pleased as man with men to dwell. Now, we typically, and I'm all for making our language and our songs gender inclusive. I think that's important to do. But there is something about the way this phrase is turned as it is. Pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus doesn't come because he's forced. Jesus doesn't come because the father's got his arm behind his back or he threatens him. Jesus is thrilled to become a human baby. Jesus is pleased to do that. You think for a minute about the things that give you joy, that bring pleasure to you, things that, that you love, that you embrace, that you get excited about. That's what Jesus does about becoming a human being. Despite all of our limitations, despite of all the struggles that he's going to go through as a human being, that eventually he's going to end up on a cross. Jesus is pleased as a human being to dwell with us human beings. When I ponder that, I see ever more clearly the heart of God, that he loves us, that he wants to be close to us, how important we are to him, his human beings he created there was a discussion that took place in the 4th century among the church fathers and they were trying to figure out you know the theology of, of the church and and what what was right and what was wrong as they as they pondered all these various questions in the early years of centuries of the church and one of the questions that they pondered was this if human beings hadn't sinned would jesus have still come if human beings hadn't sinned would jesus have still come and they debated that question for days and eventually came to the conclusion that they, didn't, they don't know because Scripture doesn't really address that question. But there were a whole lot of them who said they believed the answer was yes. And they believed it was yes for this reason because whether we sinned or not, God loves us. And he wants to be close to us. And how much closer can God get to us than becoming one of us? The question for us as we think through all of this is what do we do about it? How do you respond to what God has done for us in Christ? Wesley says, begins the song by saying, hark. A short way of saying, listen, folks, pay attention. Listen. Hear. You say, well, of course, we're listening to the angels. What is it that sets the religious leaders apart from others who follow Jesus? Is that they don't really believe Jesus is who he says he is. They're not paying attention to the signs and how easy it is for us to miss what God wants to say to us. We need open hearts. We need open minds to him. We, we have to want to hear what God is saying and be open to whatever it is he may be saying to us. To hear it, to see it, to look for it. Hark, pay attention. And then he says, now that you've paid attention, join in the song. When you get the beginning of the third verse, is, the third verse sort of is the climax of this, and, and he begins by saying, "Hail the heaven-born prince of peace, Hail the Son of righteousness. It's the word for worship. It's what the, the people would say to Caesar, "Hail Caesar, We worship you, we adore you, we follow you. And when we say that about Jesus, what we're saying is not just words with our mouths, but we're saying with my whole heart, with my whole life, with my whole being, it's all about you. Because worship is more than just what we do here on Sunday, as important as this is. Worship is more than reading the scriptures and praying, as important as that is. Worship is all of life, every single moment. And to worship Jesus... It's to want our words to be his words. Our thoughts to be his thoughts. Our actions to be his actions. Our attitudes to be his attitude. It's what we want, it's our desire. That's to worship him. And like the shepherds that we see in Luke chapter 2, they come and they find Jesus, and, and they, they are so filled with excitement of what they have heard and what they have seen, they go and tell everybody they know. There's something about our hearts being filled with joy because we've pondered who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. We live our lives following Him, worshiping Him, loving Him. Last week we looked at uh, the hymn "O Come, O Come Emmanuel," and I mentioned that what's really triggered that all of this talking about these hymns is is this this idea that I heard that we ought to live like we sing, and that's really what we're being called to. That we're not just singing a carol that we've heard hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of times but we're engaging with it. Not just with our voices, with our hearts. Father, we pray that you will give us the ability to see, to hear, to engage in these powerful words of your servant that reflect what we see in your word. Open our hearts to see to hear, to understand, and to worship with all of our lives through the grace of Christ. Amen. The tune that we use to sing this song was written by Felix Mendelssohn in 1840. When Wesley wrote his hymn in the, in, it was 1739, 100 years earlier, He intended it to be sung to a different tune. At one point, it was sung to Christ the Lord is Risen Today. But uh, Mendelssohn wrote his tune, not for this hymn, but just he wrote it for the 400th anniversary of the commemoration of the printing press being invented. And he said it was a great tune. He loved it. He said somebody ought to put words to this tune someday. But he said it'll never do for anything sacred. It's just a secular tune. Fifteen years later, a musician, William Cummings, realized that Mendelssohn was wrong. And somehow he realized that the words to Wesley's text and the tune that Mendelssohn wrote worked together really well. And so he put them together in about 1855, and we have been singing that tune for 150 some years. This is a song that you sing with joy. You sing with energy and passion and exuberance. You sing celebrating what God has done for us and declaring our worship of him with all of our lives. So let's stand and sing it together. benediction. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. May he fill you with his peace, his life, his healing, and his grace this day and every day. Amen.